Analytics with Mike Lewis, the podcast where we talk about everything you need to know about sports analytics. Here's your host, Mike Lewis, marketing professor at Emory University. Welcome, everyone, the Fanalytics Podcast. Mike Lewis, uh, professor at Emory University, director of the Marketing Analytics Center, uh, joined, as always, for the last couple months by Mr. Doug Battle. How are you today, Doug? Mike, I am excellent. There have been sports over these previous few days. I have NBA League Pass now, and you can watch like every game where it cuts out all the timeouts, um, and, and you just watch it really efficiently, and I'm enjoying having some sports to watch. Doug's role on the program, my role is analytics. Doug's role is optimist at this point. <laughs> I, I, my, I take away, and look... Uh, you know, I, I had some I had some topics. I had a bunch of topics I wanted to talk about, all the way from the first round knockout streak of Berlanga, um, if, if we wanted to go really obscure, all the way to competitive balance and payrolls, because it's one of my favorite topics when Major League Baseball starts every year. In that, you know, how how good of a job can you do in terms of predicting how an MLB season is going to go just based on how on what the payrolls look like on on day one? But all of that strikes me as being in the background, given uh, everything ranging from a player making a trip to Atlanta and finding an establishment called, I believe, Magic City, to the news this morning on uh, seven twenty seven that. Uh, 12 or 14 members of the Marlins organization, the players and the coaches, have tested positive for COVID. Um, Yikes. And so I think that that has to, that that has to take precedence. So sports has started moving, but it's also gotten pretty shaky pretty quickly. Um, it has. The whole situation with the Marlins is obviously concerning. This is the kind of thing that could shut down the whole league because – you know, a team like that where they have 12 guys test positive, plays a couple games in a row, and next thing you know, third of the league has coronavirus. Well, when did the season start? The season started last Thursday or Wednesday? I mean, it's within a week. Yeah, it, has yeah, it was late last week. Thursday started was... Started to spiral. Thursday was opening day uh, for the MLB, and we are already seeing just about a whole team contract the virus yeah, let, let's play it through just for a second so w- what happens next right and so let's sort of talk how this is gonna i don't know i'm the, the word i'm gonna choose for all this is cascade but what happens next i i assume they have a team jet so they can get on an airplane but but can they i mean are, is, do people want to the pilot and the the flight crew do they want to fly them back or are they now stuck in I think it was Philadelphia. Philadelphia. Was it Philadelphia? Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're in Philadelphia right now. Are they now right stuck now. in Philadelphia for two weeks or some <laughs> something like that? Well, at the moment they're stuck, um, and you got to think of ramifications for the schedule for the whole league, right? Because there's so many teams that they were scheduled to play in those two weeks, and it's just a it's a mess. I mean, not playing in a bubble, I think, might backfire for Major League Baseball. Uh, because with the NBA, we're seeing a, what's so far been a system where they can keep the virus out. But with MLB, these guys are on their own and they're traveling. And uh, it's closer to normal as far as 
how the league is going to go, but it also is uh, it's uh, more likely to get shut down from this kind of thing. Well, is that where this goes? Now, do sports in the 20, perhaps 2021 20, season, do these all have Gosh. to be played in a bubble? And does this have... Uh, does this have ramifications? Because, I, look, I don't think either of us follows it that closely, but it sounds like similar things happened in the MLS when they started their tournament, and I believe a couple of clubs had to had to drop out. And if you can't really sustain a league with clubs having dropped out, now does the NFL have to say, you know, even though our logistics make it a nightmare with the size Ugh. of the teams and the staffs, do they have to come up with some type of bubble or, or perhaps even some sort of, let's say local bubbles that just, and then the bubbles meet for the games. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know. I'm, I wait, wait. So is my job to kill your optimism today or this? No, uh, no. See, Mike, you're forgetting something. I am. My primary fanhood at the moment is for the NBA. Things are going great. Other than the fact that three Clippers players have left for family emergencies. There's been like, a misproportionate amount of family emergencies for the league where players will leave the bubble. Um, and one ended up being to visit a, uh, entertainment club in Atlanta. Um, outside of that, we're seeing a system that's working. Basketball has been great. I think the tournament kind of style works because it's, it feels like AAU, like it feels native to the sport in a way but it's new for the nba to be doing this so my sport's doing great i'm very concerned about football let's stay there for a second so what does it feel like to you i've seen more um i think the visuals are really interesting in terms of what they've done with it yeah um but how how do you think of you know what 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 let's let's stay with that word of uh what's what's the feel like so you it feels like uh you said an aau tournament yeah, it feels it feels like basketball to me. Like growing up playing, we would go to these tournaments where it might be an empty gym in the summertime, and and uh, and you just compete, and that's what it feels like. But at the highest level, and these guys grew up playing those tournaments, and they're basketball players. This is nothing new for them. Um, when we're talking about feel, it does feel like a studio, right? They have those graphics flashing on each side of the court they've blocked out the empty stands which i think is a great move watching major league baseball last week was quite the adjustment whether it was watching an empty stadium or watching cardboard cutouts which felt like a a weird strange dream um but yeah no fans players are just playing i think the benches are are visible and you can see their reactions to things the, the the spread out benches the, strike me as very odd looking. I've gotten so used to it. I've I've probably watched twenty games already though. <laughs> okay, so let's let let's sort of go let's go on this sort of piece by piece. Yeah. So the production values are there. Yeah. They're they're different, but they're 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 very good. They're different. Um, they've the NBA knows how to put on a show, and I'll I'll give them that absolutely. Yeah. So the, so the entertainment portion of this. Works and and look, I'm not gonna. I don't want you want to diminish the importance of production values. If if our core concept here is fandom, we can never overlook the production values. It's kind of the 800 pound and the gorilla in the room that no one ever talks about. Mm. Um, any entertainment product, from a singer to a comedian to sports, 
the the way the show is put on is absolutely critical in terms of there being a community of fans that, yeah. that cares. Yeah. I mean, you, you you think about a um, you know whoever the top comedian in the world is. If this person just walked into a stranger's office and started telling jokes, I I, I don't know if that works. Uh, the same thing with someone you know it could almost be the person with the best voice in the world they come in and they start singing you might i suspect the reaction is well you've got a really talented voice but could you please stop so mm-hmm. production values critical mm-hmm. i mean I, and again it's like we could debate who's doing those better you know the mlb with the home run that bounced off of the the dog uh cardboard cutout right. was was fun um but but beyond the production values how do you feel about the games at this point? How do you feel mm. about what they what they mean? Does it seem like regular sports? Does it seem like an exhibition mm. somewhere in between? Well, first off, it is an exhibition in basketball at the moment. Um, the games officially start on Thursday, games that count. And at that point, there will be eight, and then there will be the playoffs. Right now, honestly, it feels m- more... Uh, more competitive to me than most regular season games do. I think fans will complain about the regular season in basketball um, getting a little boring because there's so many games and they they seem to mean so little so often. But at this point, these there's a sense of urgency because these teams have essentially eight games to get in full swing for the playoffs to make a championship run, and so they're out there playing like it's like it's a real game and like almost like it's a playoff game. And so we're seeing um, a, a lot of good competition. I think early on there, you know, I think for most teams, maybe the first game, there was some sloppy play early on. Uh, but from what I've seen, it's really cleaned up. And uh, these teams are really focused on, on getting in full swing. So I think the sense of urgency has actually added. Um, whereas normal regular season games, there's, there's not that. And, and teams can kind of get complacent. I wonder, I'm sort of struggling to kind of find something here and how to phrase this. Mm-hmm. I almost wonder, you know, when you, um, like we play pickup basketball and you, you think about sort of the different levels of how, of how you might play a game or a sport, right? Where you're, uh, on one level, let's say what happens in practice, then, or sort of just your kind of pick up what happens in practice and then what happens when the lights go on mm. and whether it's like, like a high school crowd or it's an NBA crowd and there's TV cameras I, I think there's something there's something different mm. right and and then look we will talk about all this and and I think this is largely an unknown in terms of the world of analytics and so this is again where the expertise and in the intuition of the decision maker is is probably the the, the place to look is there something fundamentally different in terms of not having a crowd there? Mm. Does that change the performance or the style of all the players, yeah. uh, of certain players? Does it change the – does the game feel looser? Uh, you, you know what I'm getting oh, at, Oh, yeah. Right? I think certain players feed off of that more than others. I think certain teams do. Um, and actually, I wrote about this on the blog, but it, you can see statistically that some teams – perform much better relative to other teams when they're at home versus on the road during the season. And so there's a question as to how will those teams be affected when there, there is no crowd effect at all. Um, 
and on an individual level, it will be interesting to find out if if we have some superstar in the league that's just had stage fright this whole time and can't <laughs> perform in front of uh, 20,000 people but can in an empty gym. So um, I think that's... Well, I don't... I don't even know if I want to call it stage fright, right? Because it, it's just there's a little bit more adrenaline, yeah. and, and so there's like a there's a knob on. And again, you know, not going to claim to be a biologist or a physician, but it. it and so maybe a, even the term adrenaline is a little bit off. But as the the little bit of adrenaline goes up, does that change how you know how how players perform? And I think it's entirely possible. Yeah, I think so. I also think when we talk about the feel of the game, um, something about playoff atmosphere in basketball that's just special that we are going to miss this year. And it, it seems to affect teams with comebacks and even buzzer beaters, things like that. And and from a fan perspective, um, there's something so satisfying about, you know, when, when a big play happens and there's some momentum and the crowd roars or, or when it, when they're coming back and the crowd gets into it when a team is on defense. So there's certainly a a missing feel, um, no doubt. But to me, basketball has always been a sport that can be played without fans in a competitive way, having played and having watched a lot of basketball, even having watched some summer league games over the years. And the the environment is very summer league-like. I've seen buzzer beaters in summer league. It's still fun. It's not the same as a packed out staple center, but we will take it in 2020. Okay, so now we've got, we've got two experiments going on almost simultaneously as basketball starts this week. The... Early, the early results suggest the bubble was the way to go. Mm. Um, what do you, what do you, how do you think it's going to play out? Um, you know, I'll get my two cents is that baseball is really in um, kind of dire circumstances mm. at the moment in terms of trying to figure out how to navigate this. I also think, you know, baseball, again, kind of canary in the coal mine will be an interesting test case for going forward. With, yeah. Uh, but basketball seems like it's going to work. I th- I think basketball works. I think the the NBA and Disney have done an excellent job creating. I wouldn't say a foolproof plan, but about as close as you can get, um, given the circumstances. As far as baseball is concerned, this Marlins issue in the first week raises some huge concern. Baseball just can't catch a break. I don't know if you watched opening night, but the very first game ended prematurely due to a rain delay um, after much anticipation and hype <laughs> and and things have kind of gone downhill from there it, it seems so well was 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 the opening uh was that the the nationals mm-hmm. yep. uh, game yep. was that the very first that one was it yeah i you know and, and you're right baseball cannot catch a break from you know fauci is 79 years old oh, and you know, I, I almost think it'd be kind of fun, and I'm sure someone has done this on YouTube, but a a compilation of first pitches has got to be an interesting thing to watch in terms of how many of these things go go awry. But then, you know, even later in that game, and I'm sure I'm sure you saw this, that there was a picture of Fauci then sitting between two other folks in the stands with the mask pulled down. Right? <laughs> it's it's like baseball. Baseball seems to have, you know, cursed and be cursed by some sort of sports god somewhere. Yeah. Um, I think the Atlanta sports curse is now transferred on to baseball. And as a as a general Georgia sports fan, I'm okay with that. But 
when we talk about Fauci's first pitch up there with 50 cent, I did read this on Twitter. Um, and I wish I remembered the handle of whoever said this, but at least Fauci is being consistent in that he doesn't want anybody catching anything. Right. So he's, he's keeping <laughs> yeah. that ball a yeah. good six feet away from the catcher. Um, baseball's in, in a tough situation. I think football is a really interesting one moving forward. Obviously, camp is starting today for for some NFL teams. College football camps are supposed well, to start. Hold, hold on, Let, let's go, let's slow down a little. Uh, so there's already been one NFL player that said he's not playing. Uh, an offensive lineman from with a medical degree mm-hmm. from I forget the gentleman's name, but a medical degree, and he's going to go work in clinics uh, rather than play. So taking the 150k payment um, and, and foregoing the season. So the NFL continues. To, again, it's like there's everything that happens is this backdrop of of COVID. Um, but go on. Yeah, I think that's um, a one-off case. But at the same time, with the way the NFL Players Union is and how they make high demands and they seem like they feel oppressed at times when you read the statements that they put out. I do think circumstances are going to have to be incredibly optimal for NFL players to play. At the same time, there's a lot of money on the table. Where, where are they at? Are they talking about a full 16-game regular season? At the moment, a short shortened preseason, which who cares? I, I don't I don't know what it is, and you know the the so baseball and basketball are planning into going through October, right? Yeah. That so that's um, August, September, October. Somehow that NFL season strikes me as long mm-hmm. during this mm-hmm. time era. That the idea of pulling it off for the full se- and maybe it's just because the other seasons are shorter but pulling this off for the full season just strikes me as tough. Yeah. Tough. I think something to remember is that a full NFL season is a fraction of the length of those yeah. other sports. Um NFL's a tough one. I think college football's even trickier because of the different leagues and how they view things. So we know that Ivy League has pushed fall sports to spring. Certain schools have talked about pushing football back, but then Michigan State last week comes out and decides to move their opening game up a week, which is especially interesting because they haven't even begun practice yet, and they certainly won't have the same amount of practices prior to that first game as they would have. Okay, okay. My my two cents. Number one, the Ivy League. Just stop, right? Um, you know, and this is almost more of a, you know, <laughs> I'm overly educated, never been to an Ivy League school. Um, you know, the, the Ivy League gets so much attention, you know, given who they are historically, that they're, um, you know, they seem to be setting the the pace on, you know, on, on how academia is going to reopen and definitely something on the, you know, causing a, a real dilemma for some of the, uh, let's say for some of the major college sports franchises. Uh, did you see that, I think it was Barry Alvarez from Wisconsin came out and said that they were going to lose 70 yes. to $100 million uh, given the, the current situation? Yes. And Ivy League knows nothing about that. Right. And, and so it's... Um, it's this, uh, I don't know, this this collegiate league with a lot of uh, brand awareness 
that are making decisions for for folks in a very let's let's put it this way in a very different business mm. the idea of a college sports franchise losing you know losing a hundred million dollars in revenue you know in, in some ways that's an interesting that's an interesting data point in terms of thinking about how sports recovers on the other side because the colleges the colleges always get hit with this you know the yahoos out there that don't understand the way these finances work of saying well they've got these massive endowments they can just sort of uh they can just sort of cover it and get back you know cover the the short-term losses and get back into it but how do you scale back in the face of a hundred million dollar loss and let's say these college programs are about 200 million dollar businesses how do you take that hit? How do you scale back and recover from that and then scale back up in the next year? And that's going to be the trick across all of these, across all of these sports. Yeah. And you look at the kind of spending schools and the SEC um, spend with the anticipation of the money they're going to make through college football season uh, as far as their facilities go and, and recruiting, things of that nature. Um, certainly a unprecedented and and sticky situation for any athletic director and and athletic department like do you know offhand what what other sports do they play in the fall on the the college campus yes i know that volleyball is a big one okay so then you find yourself in a strange situation do you pay the volleyball coach if you're not going to have a season yeah and I i think the answer is that you you do or you really want to but do you pay? Can you you know? Are, are you going to pay ten coaches when you're not playing? Right. I mean, so you know, you're a Georgia guy, and look, you got to pay Kirby Smart, right? You can't lose that kind of asset. Better pay him. But for these non-revenue sports, you know, is there going to be a move to stop the bleeding? And again, it's like that. I think that everyone's going to try and do the best they can. But what does it look like on the other side? Is it a permanently smaller? Endeavor and was so Stanford a few weeks ago. Well, was Stanford dropped half dozen sports, I think, mm-hmm. rowing and and some other thing or sailing, I think it was. Yeah. That are we going to is one consequence of this of this uh, COVID pandemic going to be that collegiate sports just gets a little bit smaller? Yeah, I th- I think that's a huge concern. I think with college football. We, we tend to become so focused on that sport in particular. People ignore the fact that college football essentially pays for these other sports to happen at most schools. And we've already seen with Stanford uh, that they've had national championship programs essentially wiped out because of, of Can the I anticipated add one more thing losses. To that? Yeah. Not only do college football programs at these Power Five schools pay for the other sports at the college fo- at the Power five conferences they also pay for the sports at the non-power five conferences yeah one of the things that was buried in that article about wisconsin was i think about three million dollars or three and a half million dollars in payments to Mm -hmm. visiting teams to come to camp randall stadium yeah so i don't know how football programs at at savannah state are are gonna survive this because i know schools like that get paid to get destroyed by florida state and clemson and georgia and alabama every year um one other storyline when we're talking about college football that all this is is going to play a part in of course is 
compensation for players, right? Because this is evidencing what we already knew, which is how valuable those players are and how, how valuable their product is. And without them and without a season that they play, we're seeing how much money is lost. On behalf of the players, I think they, they may have some more leverage moving forward. Okay, last thing today, Doug. I want to get a little obscure on you. Great. And so, you know, <laughs> I don't know. We've never talked about this. Are you at all a boxing fan? It's It's been a minute for me. I haven't kept up with, okay. I think since Mayweather Pacquiao. Pacquiao, probably Mayweather. probably the last one I watched, and I was kind of fed up with things at that point. At least you didn't say uh, since uh, Mayweather and McGregor, Uh-oh. right? Yeah. I mean, I, I did watch it, but... So so last week there was and I'm I I, look I I just I love the combat sports and last week ESPN featured as one of their co-main events um, and and actually you know boxing has been an interesting aside in COVID sports where ESPN has really done a lot of a lot of fights right where Mm -hmm. they've essentially I think it's all been at the MGM Grand. Mm Where they've closed it off to spectators, just had you know a couple of fighters, the corner folks, and and rolled with it. I mean, UFC has also been very active in all this, but at the super middleweight division, there's a fighter named Edgar Berlinga, who is now 14 and 0, with all of his fights ending within the first round. So 14 knock, 14 first round knockouts. That is absurd. Who's he been fighting? Okay, and that's perfect, right? Because I, I think that is, you just, inca- you know, it's like sometimes we don't need to script this because your reactions are just kind of perfect. So number one, it is absurd. It is probably the best streak in sports at the moment, right? 14 first round knockouts. It, it harkens back to the era of boxing before uh, before you were born where folks would pay forty nine ninety nine for the Mike Tyson pay-per-view and suddenly the fight was over before the pizza was delivered right and it was like well um it was a great it was a great 35 seconds it's a nice punch yeah um, <laughs> and so it is it, it's it's absurd you're right you, you almost you you want to start to do the the analytics on this stuff and you go well what's the odds that someone a fight ends in a knockout um whatever that percentage is, then what's the odds that a fight ends in a first-round knockout? And then the fact that you could have 14 of those in a row. And it's it becomes a, a streak that really probably doesn't even make any sense. But then your second point, and, and so this is, um, there, there is a little bit of an analytic story in this, and this might be a little self-indulgent, so you know, slow me down if, if you want, that... So uh, on the surface level, you look at this, and this is the most, I could say, well, this is the most interesting streak out there right now. But then you followed it up with this issue of, well, who's he fighting? Mm. Okay. And that is one of the interesting things about the world of the world of boxing versus, let's say, the world of the NBA, right? Where in the NBA, you know, you win 14 games in a row, you have beaten 14 NBA teams. You win 14 boxing matches in the in the first round by knockout. We have no idea who you've beaten, right? Yeah, the best parallel in sports that comes to mind for me is college football. I think maybe it was last year, the year before, but Ohio State will start the season, beat like three teams in a row by 70-something points. And that's like, wow, that's really impressive. <laughs> but like, yeah. you know, yeah, it doesn't in, tell you in, anything. In all- 
about But in how- all fairness, Michigan will lose to one of those teams, right? <laughs> <laughs> little slight jab at Michigan. Yeah. <laughs> uh- but 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 in this case, and this is one of the things that I think is kind of an interesting principle about sports, and oh, let's say one of the things that tends to be beyond analytics, right, is that um, in, in the world of boxing, there is no set league, right? There's no um, there, there's no official overarching body that controls the level of of, of competition, and so in the in the case of boxing. What you really have is a bunch of promoters that are trying to engineer. You mentioned Pacquiao and Mayweather, right? That mm-hmm. that that's the that's the that's the goal for these guys, right? Yeah, and I feel like if you really wanted to engineer it, you could put me in a ring with sixteen, seven-year-olds in a row, and I can make it out of the first round and and <laughs> and have that same record. <laughs> and so that's what that's what raises some suspicion with with these kinds of absurd numbers. Right. And, and look, so again, we could find you down at the at the martial arts gym and we could train you up, maybe get you a couple of a uh, couple of pretend fights locally, get you a three or four and oh record. And then Berlanga could knock you out in the first round. Right. For number 15. Yeah, um, right. And and he could and you're making an assumption there that I that I would get knocked out in the first round. I'm not sure how correct that assumption is. <laughs> Because you know this, this might be a fair fight for him. I might be the match he's he's been needing. This might it might be. be now. I mean, the, to me, the bigger question is: Is there a funeral benefit on your benefits package? Perhaps <laughs> um. <laughs> uh, is it? Does he have those benefits? Yeah, yeah, that's okay. what I'm wondering. Again, you know, you you, you gotta love the the it's it's optimism and uh, arrogance to, this morning, which I'm I'm very proud of. I'm, I've been listening to Kanye West right lately. Yeah, I've been listening to a lot of Kanye. Okay, and so this is um, this is kind of where analytics. I, I love this, like I said, because it's like there there's sort of two sides of this this um, this issue of what is the observable data and how amazing of a streak this is, versus on the other side of it of you know everything that you can't put into the model of of who are these guys. Um, what is their background? Are they all legitimate contenders? This this actually gets me to, and this is going to be one of our future classes in the Fanalytics series of something I call levels of levels of control. And it's it's an interesting thing in terms of thinking about sports and how sports work, where you go all the way from, let's say, boxing, which is the wild wild west, and anyone can fight anyone, and the promoter promoters are trying to build up these super fights, um, you know, again, because they don't have a structure like the NBA where there's a, a regular season, right? It's, it's like I said, every, every promoter for themselves um, versus something that is very tightly controlled where, you know, something like, let's say the UFC, which might even be more controlled than some of the other professional leagues where they are absolutely going to dictate who steps into their octagon um, so they and actually, you know what? What might be the highest level of control in all this might be something like the World Wrestling World Wrestling Entertainment. I was about to say WWF, where they not even get not even get to control who fights. They get to control who wins. Right. Yes. And and there are some conspiracy theorists with every sports league that <laughs> think that's the case. I know the NBA's had those those fans who are skeptical that the league's controlling who wins and loses or whatnot, but. It actually is the case with with World Wrestling Entertainment. Okay, well, let, let's end it on that note. And so if you are a conspiracy theorist, 
um, and you're looking at the NBA bubble, who do you want to uh, who, who are you going to put in the finals? And is it going to be well, you know, answer I mean, and kind of uh, is it too obvious of a question, I guess? Yeah, I mean, the two the two one seeds is. Is kind of the obvious. I think a second one. I think if this happened, people would start to get skeptical. Would be Lakers Celtics. Okay. <laughs> yeah. So so Lakers uh, Lakers Bucks is how this is going to play out. <laughs> I'm not a conspiracy theorist here. I I do think there's pretty good odds of of that being the NBA Finals. And this is this is the tough thing, right? Because it's like okay, so the 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 NBA seems to have gone out of their way to say their two biggest stars are LeBron and um, Giannis, and so they're going to. They're going to be featured in the finals. Okay. Sounds like uh, evidence of a conspiracy to me. Yeah. Or they just are the two best players and they carry their teams to the finals. <sighs> okay. You got anything else for uh, today, Doug? Anything else you want to talk about? Fanalace is a great name. I think it captures what we do. My second name on this was always going to be uh, Next Question in honor of some of the, the grouchier coaches. But I always thought that'd be a fun, fun way to, <laughs> to play this out. Next Question. Next question. Um, no, I'm. I'm just. I'm excited for the season to officially tip off for basketball. I'm keeping a close eye on college football. You know how important that is to me, and we will. Uh, we'll see what happens. I have a feeling this week we're gonna we're gonna get some some information one way or the other as practices typically would begin as early as next week for some of these teams in a normal situation. Okay, so. Until our next question, thank you, everyone.